This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. They started on the stages of vaudeville and after 40 years of entertaining, became household names on radio and television. I'm referring to George Burns and Gracie Allen. His droll, self-deprecating delivery was the perfect match for her seemingly scatterbrained replies. So let's picture George holding that ever-present cigar and having another encounter with the lovable Gracie Allen. In this episode, Gracie's grandfather is celebrating a big birthday. And you might say Gracie is a few candles short in more ways than one. From Hollywood, the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show for Hormel and Spam. Crazy people. Spam, Boom, spam, George Burns, Gracie Allen, Artie Shaw, when his orchestra, for singing glee with the smoothies three, last but not least, and with Bud Heaston. Burns and Allen Night at your house, another gay show and a swell suggestion for an easy summer supper that will give your family or guests plenty to eat. Get a can of Spam, S-P-A-M. Spam is tender, juicy, delicious meat, all ready to eat the minute you zip open the can. Slice this grand-tasting meat and serve with a mound of potato salad nestled in crisp, chilled lettuce, tomato stuffed with cottage cheese, or with a cool vegetable salad. It's hearty enough to please the huskiest he-man appetite. And Spam saves kitchen time. No fuss, no bother. Ask your food dealer for Spam tomorrow. Then surprise your family with taste-tempting Spam and salad. And try the other easy recipes on the label. You'll find you can fry Spam, dice it, slice it, bake it. Because cold or hot, Spam hits the spot. those two delightful people, the stars of our show, George and Gracie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Gracie, what did you do yesterday? I went to Catalina. Oh, did you? Did you go alone? Well, naturally. Well, that's fine. But can I have my compact back? It's in your pocket. <laughs> oh, so you were there alone. Well, here, Gracie, which one is yours? 
Oh. <laughs> Finally got ourselves a romantic kid on the show. Oh, he's a regular Cavanova. <laughs> you mean Casanova. George, when I kiss him, they're caving over. <laughs> oh, yes. Caving over. Get it? Yeah, this is my smart week this week. <laughs> oh, say, George. <laughs> George, would you come here a moment, please? Oh, gladly, Buck. Say, gladly. George, um, I'd like to work with Gracie. It looks so easy. It does, huh? Would you like to try it? Would I? Oh, boy. Well, how do I start? Well, all you've got to do is walk up to Gracie and say, how is your brother? Then she talks for about five years. <laughs> All I say is, how is your brother? Yes, but, but I've got a little tea, a TL for you. Yeah. In case you get in trouble and there is a slight possibility, yeah. just sing Nola. Nola? Yeah, you know, deadly do. Oh, well, then I start by saying, Gracie, how's your brother? Go right ahead. Okay. I'll be standing right here. <coughs> uh, Make it nice and easy, Bob. Yeah. Uh, Gracie? Yeah. Gracie, how's your brother? Oh, the most terrible thing happened last night. Did? We were awakened in the middle of the night. And there was my brother sitting up in bed, and his eyes were sticking out of his head. His eyes were sticking out of his head? Well, yeah. What did you do? What did we do? We sent for a doctor, of course. Well, what did the doctor do? Well, he took Ann Sheridan's picture off the wall, and we all went back to sleep again. Gracie, where is your brother now? Oh, he's in the East. He went to see that prize fighter, you know, the one who fights without any clothes on. There's a prize fighter who fights without any clothes on? Yeah, you know, that's what my brother said in his letter. Just saw Galento fight there. But Gracie, what does your brother do for a living? Oh, he's very well fixed. Oh, yes. He has two cars, lots of clothes, and he goes to Palm Springs for the winter and Lake Arrowhead for the summer. Well, what does he do for a living? Oh, he's a son-in-law. Gracie, what did your brother do before that? Oh, he was married before, you know. He, he's the one who was a knife thrower in vaudeville, and his wife was his assistant. Oh, he used to throw knives at his wife. Uh-huh. But one day before he went on the stage, he had a little too much to drink. Well, what happened? Oh, he got married again. <laughs> well, Gracie, your brother, he sounds like quite a character Oh, he is uh, You know, when he was a little boy, he played a trick on my father He switched a hot and cold faucet in the bathtub Was your father angry? No, but he will be when he finds out Gracie, is that the brother with the scar on his neck? Oh, yes, the appendicitis scar Appendicitis scar? Appendicitis is way down on the side of the stomach, you Yeah, see. I know, but he was so ticklish. They that had up right up there. here, yes. I thought so. Uh, Bud, are you happy? No. I thought so. Well, 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 here are the smoothies. Hello, Spam. Well, it's very pretty. Oh, but beautiful. Yes, it's really something. <laughs> uh, smoothies, can't you say anything without swinging like that? Surely, Surely George. Anyone can do it. Nothing to it. Spam, jam, high diddle did. Now we're jiving, so take it, kid. Oh, stop. Stop with that. Take it. a dancer, and every time I hear, take it, kid, I go right into my dance. Oh, sure. You know, George used to dance for a living. Did he make much money? Ten cents a dance. <laughs> I used to wear a bathing suit. I was dancing with tears in my eyes. Oh. Well, never mind, never mind. Now the smoothies are going to sing the woodpecker song. Just 
a minute, Smoothie. Come in. This is what I do for a living. Hello, everybody. Oh, hello, Bobo. Say, uh, sound man, stop slamming the doors. You're going to break down the whole building. I know you're a very intellectual fella because you told me last week you went four years to Harvard. And if you think that being a sound man is beneath your dignity, why don't you go back to your family? Mr. Burns, <laughs> I have two brothers. When my older brother graduated from Harvard, the dean told him he'd become a great scientist. He later won the Nobel Prize. I see. When my other brother graduated from Harvard, the dean told him he'd be a great playwright. He later won the Pulitzer Prize. That's true. When I graduated from Harvard, the dean said that I showed more promise than both my brothers put together. That was ten years ago. This is what I do for a living. <laughs> Say, sound man, I really feel sorry for you, but don't give up. After all, someday you may be like me. George, don't discourage him. Oh. <laughs> don't think I've got any talent, huh? Bubbles, what do you want? Well, Gracie, you know, today is your grandfather's birthday. He's 92 years old. Yeah, I know. I got him a gift order. You did? Mm-hmm. What is the gift? Two lessons from Madame Lazanga. <laughs> it's six lessons from Madame Lazanga. Oh, he'll never last that long. <laughs> I know your grandfather, neither will Madame Lazanga. Well, anyway, Gracie, tonight we're giving him that surprise party. And in order to get him out of the house, I had a promise to take him down to Earl Carroll's vanity. Well, did you take him there? No, I took him up to Mount Wilson Observatory, and he spent two hours looking through their giant telescope. What about Earl Carroll's vanity? Well, what do you think he was looking at? <laughs> Where, uh, where's the kid now? He's downstairs in the car. Oh, well, send him up, and we'll keep him here until the party tonight. All right, goodbye. Four years in Harvard. Oh, quiet, quiet. Oh, now listen, everybody. After the show, you're all invited to my grandpa's surprise party. Oh, yeah. oh we're going to have more fun. And there's going to be a big cake with six candles on it. And... Six candles? Uh-huh. Your grandfather is 92 years old. Yeah, but the cake is only six. Oh, I see. It's the cake's birthday, too. Smoothies, we Tick, 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 tick,
sing along. Come on and try his rhythm. And let your heart beat with And when you hear that tick-a-tick-tick-tick-a-tick-tick happy little woodpecker song, just hear him say, 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 just hear him say, say, he's a beast on with a song. Woodpecker, woodpecker song. He has his like a heifer, and his hands like a pepper, except his steps like a stepper. Woodpecker, woodpecker, woodpecker song. Well, kids, that was really a grand number. You liked it, George. We're glad you did. But now's your chance, so take it, kid. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, now, wait a minute. Stop with that take it, kid. You know, I can't keep my feet still. But it does bring back memories of Orville. I can see my billing right now in front of the theater. George Burns and Gurley. Uh, fantastic steppers. What a vehicle. Remember, Gracie, how I used to jump four feet in the air and click my heels? Oh, yeah. And Variety said that was the only thing in the act that clicked. Hey, wait a minute. Burns and Gurley was the name of the dancing act. Who was Gurley? May Robeson. All right, all right, all right, Gracie. So we're all invited to your grandfather's 92nd birthday party tonight. Huh? Yeah, oh, George, please. Don't ever let my grandpa hear you say he's 92. Why not? Well, he goes around telling everybody he's only 90. <laughs> Gracie, remember my birthday party last year? Oh, sure. Remember the birthday cake? Yeah, with 30 candles on it. Oh, but there were a few more than that. Not on the piece I had. <laughs> Say, George, uh, yes. I don't know about your age, but you certainly know how to wear clothes. Oh, thanks. That blue suit with that red tie certainly is a swell combination. Oh, thanks, bud. It's like Spam with chili sauce. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, bud. I've listened to you on the radio month in and month out, and you're really great all year round. Oh, thanks, bud. Uh, like Spam, it keeps so well. Don't need any refrigeration. <laughs> thanks, bud. At a dinner table, there's nothing more beautiful. What coloring? How enticing. And so pretty. Oh, thanks, bud. <laughs> I don't mean you. Oh, oh, I know you mean Spam. No, I mean Hetty Lamar. Oh. <laughs> well, of course, that's a swell dish, too. <laughs> I'm crazy about Spam. Oh, Bud. Say, Bud. What is it, Gracie? Give George back his compact. <laughs> oh, quiet, quiet. Which one is yours, oh, George? quiet. Hello? Just a minute. Gracie, it's for you. Um, hello? This is Gracie Allen, Sam's Meatheart speaking. Oh, Meatheart's, that is <laughs> Oh, hello, Bessie. How are the preparations for Grandpa's surprise party coming along? What? You burned the rice pudding? Oh, there's nothing to be worried about? You put unglantine on it? <laughs> I don't want to help you. Oh, what? Oh, uh, don't worry. When Grandpa arrives, we'll keep him here. Now, I can't hear you, Bessie. Talk into the mouthpiece. What? You took the mouthpiece off the phone? Oh, you're using it as a cookie cutter for cupcakes. Oh. What? Well, why can't you hear me? Well, hold the receiver closer to your ear. Oh, you're mashing potatoes with it. It's ought to be some party, boy. Say, Bessie, what are you using for a centerpiece on the table? What? Swiss cheese? Swiss cheese? I ought to make a beautiful centerpiece. Oh, sure. She puts the flowers in the little hole. Oh, very nice arrangement. Yes. yes. What, Bessie? You only have a dozen doilies? Oh, that'll never be enough. I can eat that many myself. Yes. <laughs> They're delicious with paper napkins. Say, Bessie. Bessie, what about the boiled ducks? 
How's it coming along? What? You can't keep any water in the pot? Why not? Oh, the duck keeps drinking it. <laughs> you mean you mean the duck is living? If you call that living. Well, let's break this up. This is. Party show, what are you going to play tonight? Well, George, we've got a new and little different arrangement of April showers. Okay, okay, senor Lee. Gracias. Okay, George, I guess we'll have to play Alice Blue Gown. Alice Blue Gown? Yes, okay. Yes, senor. Well, I'll tell you what, George. I guess we'll have to play Alice Blue Gown. Will come your way. <laughs> they bring flowers. They're blooming May. George. I want to try. George. Oh, yeah. George. <laughs> George, yes, is, that, yes. is that April shower? Certainly. No, I don't like it either. <laughs> you don't like it? That's right. Boy, I must really be lousy. Well, that's right. <laughs> Okay, Artie, play Alice Blue Gown. Okay, my sweet little Alice Blue Gown. Hey, Senor Lee, wait for your cue. What are you starting so soon for? Hurry up, hurry up. I got a date. He's got a date. George, please, this is my problem. All right, boys, ready? One, two, three, four. Look, Senor Lee, we're doing a broadcast. It's Monday. We're on the air, and we must be finished before Friday. Take it easy. Take it easy. I can't understand what you're saying. Hmm. Foreigner. <laughs> Foreigner? Look, Artie, I've got a T.O. for you. If you don't get rid of that guy, I'm going to get rid of you. Now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> Senior Lee, I've had about enough out of you. I'm the boss of this program, and I expect to be on this show for many years. Because a todos como me caes a mí con esos chistes malos, yo creo que no va a estar por tantos años. What, uh... What did he say? Don't send out your laundry. All right, Artie. Alice Blue Gown.
Gracie, uh, can I borrow you for a moment? Will you pay me back? <laughs> yes. First, I want to tell you what every woman should know. Now, uh, you and I have a date, Gracie. Where are we going? Follow me. <laughs> now, here we are, standing in your nearest food store. Well, it certainly was near. <laughs> now, do you see those, those cans of Spam on the shelf? Yes. Well, take one and look at the sentence on the label. Um, pork shoulder meat with ham meat added. Mm-hmm. Now, there is the secret of Spam's goodness and quality. Spam is not only a pure pork product, but is a perfect blend of the choicest cuts. Pork shoulder, the juiciest, sweetest meat, combined with ham meat, well known for tenderness and flavor. Hormel is proud to tell you right on the label of the Spam can exactly what Spam is made of. Now, when you take home a can of Spam, you give your family delicious, tender meat everyone will say is swell. Try one new way to serve Spam this week. Use the easy recipes you'll find on the label. You'll discover you can fry Spam for breakfast, serve it cold for lunch just as it comes from the can, or bake Spam whole for dinner. I get a supply tomorrow. Ask your food dealer for S-P-A-M, Spam. Well, I'll do it. Slice it, dice it, fry it, bake it, cold or hot, Spam hits the spot. Nicely done. Artie, I really loved Alice Plogan. But the thing I, I, I enjoy most is when you pick up that clarinet. You're really swinging. You're, you, you're just jiving at it. Yeah, that's sure. When he swings it, he's right in the grave. <laughs> in the grave? Senor Lee, you mean in the groove. Yes, senor. In the, in the grave means I'm dead, buried, finished. That's right. <laughs> million guitar players of the union, and I had to wind up with this one. George. What is it? Come here. Oh, secret. <laughs> yeah, I found out plenty about that Senor Lee. I had dinner with a certain party last night, and all he spoke about was Senor Lee. Well, who did you have dinner with? Senor Lee. <laughs> you had dinner with Senor Lee? Mm, that's right. Mm, stop with that. That's right. I don't want to hear any more. That's right. I've had enough of that right. That's right. Oh, quiet. Quiet. And George. What is it? I heard that every day Artie Shaw goes down to the drugstore and drinks the malted milk through his clarinet. The malted milk through his clarinet? Uh-huh. How did that leak out? Through the hole. <laughs> well, that's the last straw. Four years and half. Quiet. Well, Gracie, look who's here. Well, don't tell me it's my grandpa. Well, I ain't a bag of flour, but I've been through the mill. Yahoo! <laughs> Pick me up, Grace. <laughs> well, he practically fainted. How do you revive him? Well, just fan him. Fan him with what? With Dorothy Lamour. Yahoo! <laughs> Pick me up, Grace. Dorothy Lamour? Yeah, I was out with Dorothy Lamour and she kissed me. She kissed you? Oh, yes, George. And they were very happy, the four of them. The four of them? Yes, Dorothy, Grandpa, and the two men who held them up. <laughs> yes, yeah, sticks and stones may break my bones, but she's just the one that can do it. Yeah! Yo, ho, hold your hat, boys. There he goes again. <laughs> Pick me up, Grace. Come on, Grandpa. Get up on your feet and stay there. Mr. Burns. Now what's the sound, man. What do you want? An old man. Ninety-two years old. Does nothing all day long but run around with Dorothy Lemoore. So what? This is what I do for a living. (laughs) 
sound man, this may surprise you, but you're not the only one on this program with a brain. Oh, thanks, George. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, Grandpa, I want you to meet the cat. Now, this is Bud Heaston, our announcer. Well, hello, Grandpa. Well, hello, buddy boy. I'm an announcer, too. Uh, an announcer? Yeah, an announcer to a maiden's prayer. Ain't that a killer? <laughs> Gracie, what does this grandpa of yours want? Well, he'd like to be 65 and then 21 and then 65 and then 21 then and then 65, 65 and, and then, then 21. 21. Well, yes. what is that for? Well, he wants to be old enough to get Social Security and young enough to enjoy it. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's nice work if you can get it. Oh, well, Grandpa, these are the smoothies. These are the smoothies? <laughs> well, blow me down. Uh, hello, there. <laughs> Darned if they didn't. Pick me up, Grace. Gracie. Yeah, what is it? I want to ask you something. What happens at home with this young George Alice? Oh, my grandma has a terrific time between him and the furnace. Between your grandpa and the furnace? Yeah, every time she watches one, the other goes out. <laughs> well, I've had enough. Oh, Artie, I want you to meet my grandpa. Grandpa? Yeah. Grandpa, where are you? Come here. Be with me in a minute, Grace. So long, kid. So long, honey. <laughs> well, here comes... Uh, love comes to Andy Hardening of the arteries. <laughs> <laughs> Waited for four days. Uh, grandpa, this is Artie Shaw. Hello, Grandpa. Hiya, Corny. <laughs> I'm Corny. That's right. Senior Lee, if you don't stop butting in, I'll have to punch you in the nose. Anybody show their face around here and say that? I kill him. Well, why don't you kill me? You call that a face? <laughs> get out. Get out. This is what I do for a living. Hey, sound man. You see, most of us do things that we don't want to do for a living. Take me, for instance. When I started out, I worked very hard. And after many years, I finally clicked. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was an accident. Mr. Burr. The reason for your success is that you have something that nobody else has got. Really? Where did you get Miss Allen? <laughs> well, I've, I've got a tale for you. Grandpa, get away from those drums. I see. Surprise party or no surprise party. Do we have to keep him here? Oh, George, you'll spoil the whole thing. Isn't there any way that we can quiet this old guy? Well, do what we do at home. Well, what do you do at home? Well, we just give him pictures of glamour stars and bathing beauties, and he sits in a rocking chair and sings. Well, what does he sing? Wishing we'll make it so. Well, he certainly picked out a nice number. Hey, Grandpa, give me back my clarinet. Uh, here you are, Artie boy. Wait a minute, Grandpa. Take your teeth. <laughs> Gracie, will you talk to him? Oh, yeah, Grandpa. You're going to need them for the surprise party I'm giving you tonight. You gave away yeah. the whole thing. Oh, uh, well, say, Grace, I can't make it tonight. Kind of got a date with Greta Garbo. Greta Garbo? 92-year-old guy like you has got a date with Greta Garbo? Hello? That's right. Mm. That's all right. <laughs> for 
George and Gracie to return, let me suggest an easy way to give your family a grand summer supper. Serve Spam and salad. Get a can of Spam when you shop tomorrow. Open and slice this tender, delicious meat. A perfect companion for your favorite salad. You'll say it's great, too, because Spam is economical to use. So easy to fix. Surprise your family with Spam and salad tomorrow. Thank you, bud. Well, Gracie... Say good night. Oh, uh, good night. Oh, George. Yeah? George, look at the lovely roses Ray Noble just sent me. Ray Noble? Uh-huh. Oh, where are the flowers? Oh, right here in the package of seeds. Good night, all. again next Monday night, same time at stations for another George Burns Gracie Allen production with Arnie Shaw and his orchestra and the smoothies brought to you by Hormel and Spam. Until then, this is Bud Heaston reminding you to remember that cold or hot, Spam hits the spot. Good night. Stay tuned for The Whistler next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Now it's time for The Whistler. Let every go signal remind you that you do go farther with signal gasoline. The Signal Oil Program. The Signal Oil Company and your neighborhood signal dealer bring you another curious story by The Whistler. Tonight, murder has a signature. I am The Whistler. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Presently, I'll tell you of nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. But first, a little boy wants me to ask a favor of you, a dime. He'd be here himself to ask you, but this little fellow is crippled in bed. And your dime is to help him get well, so someday he may walk again. You see, he's one of the 19,000 Americans, mostly children, who were stricken last year by infantile paralysis. Few homes can afford the long, costly care required by this dread disease. But thanks to the dimes contributed through last year's March of Dimes campaign, sponsored by President Roosevelt, more and more victims of infantile paralysis will walk again. Today starts the nationwide 1945 drive to replenish this important fund. It's your opportunity to do what you can to control this crippling disease, which, what for the hand of providence, might have stopped at your home. Send your dime or more, if you can, to President Roosevelt or your local chapter of the March of Dimes. Don't put it off. The need is now. And now, The Whistler. It was an old house set back in the trees a little way from the lake. 
and it had a miserly look about it. You could almost tell that its owner was wealthy and cranky and miserly and happy in her self-pity. And all the loneliness of her own life, she took pleasure in passing on to her only companion, her servant, Martha. Martha! Martha, where are you? Martha, do this. Martha, do that. Always Martha. Now, there you are. Didn't you hear me calling you? What are you doing in the kitchen? Breakfast dishes. Breakfast dishes what? Breakfast dishes. Miss Brewer. That's better. You haven't made my room yet, and you know very well that's to be tidied before you touch a thing. Another thing. I know very well you heard me calling. Why didn't you answer me? I didn't hear you. One of your moods again, eh? Well, how long is it going to last this time? Oh, never mind. Take this envelope. I want you to row across the lake and place these securities in the bank. Row across? Be careful with them. They're worth a great deal of money. I want a bank receipt, too. Can you remember that? But it's three miles across the lake. I'll not have you wasting the motorboat gasoline. You're big and strong, and the ship won't hurt you a bit. Just a minute, Martha. Yes? That dress. Where did you get it? This? Yes, that. One of mine, isn't it? It's an old one. I didn't think you'd care. I do care. I told you before that I'll not have you wearing my clothes until I give them to you. Go to your room and take it off. Never any money to spend on myself. But you're a fool with money. You with your cheap. Perfume and penny jewelry and frilly shirtwaist. Trying to play the lady. It's a good thing I put a stop to it. I've earned my money here. I've got a right to do what I want with it. Martha, I promised your people I'd look after you. I knew how giddy you are. Your wages are well invested. But I want pretty things. While I can enjoy them. Not when I'm old. Why, you're only ten years younger than I am, you fool. I'm nearly sixty. Now go to your room. Take off my dress. No. Take care, Martha. I've had enough of this. You've had enough. How about me? I'm sick of being treated like dirt under your feet. Go to your room. And I'm sick of working for an old cheat who steals my wages. <laughs> you didn't think I'd dare slap you, did you? You only knew how I've wanted to do that. How I've dreamed of doing it. How dare you? How dare you? It was good. It felt good. The police will know about this, you ungrateful woman. The police? <laughs> no. Nor anyone else. You won't get a chance to tell anyone. Not even see anyone. You can't keep me here a prisoner or captive in my own house. I can't. And who would know? You have no friends. Nobody visits you from one year's end to another. Even the people in the village stay clear of your nasty tongue. You dare to do that to your mistress? Mistress? I'll show you who's mistress. <laughs> my glasses. You've broken my glasses. Yes. Do you think you can get help now? You're half blind without them. It's eight miles by road to the village. You'll be lost in the swamps in ten minutes. Yes, I am mistress now. Well, at long last, Martha, you've summoned up the courage to do what you wanted to do for so many years. You're a little surprised at the success of it, how easy it was. It's a pleasure to see her cringe before you, call you my dear, ask sweetly when she wants something, and then there's so much money here, enough to buy you all those things you've dreamed about. Martha? Oh, so there you are, Martha. Where have you been? Marketing? Where do you think? Well, you've been so long, and 
cold in this room. Oh, so cold. I'd have left the fire for me, Martha. Do be considerate, my dear. Considerate? When were you ever considerate of me? My back used to ache from breakfast to bedtime, and a lot you cared. Oh, it's different now, isn't it? Oh, it's cold, Martha. <sighs> well, wait till I get my things off and I'll make tea. You and your back. Oh, thank you, my dear. What a change has come over the old lady, hasn't there? My, what a sweet thing she's getting to be. I've been thinking, Martha. Oh, she's been thinking. No, I mean it. That lovely dinner dress of mine, it's not old, not really old at all. You can have it. I want you to have it. Second-hand stuff again, eh? No, thanks. I'm not having any. Now, look here. Let me show you something. Well, you bought that in the village? That and this and this and this. All of them. They're pretty, aren't they? Isn't that stealing, Martha? You have no money. You must have been in my cash box. Stealing? You talk about stealing when you've stolen months, years of my life. This stuff isn't all, either. There's lots of other things up in my room. Shall I show them to you? No, Martha. Well, why don't you say something? Well, there's nothing to say. If those few things will make you happy, then I'm glad. I want you to be happy, my dear. <laughs> You old hypocrite. You don't fool me a bit. What you wouldn't give to have the police here now. How you misjudge me. Is that a letter there? Letter? Yes, you have a letter. I suppose you want me to read it to you. Please. I'm surprised somebody thinks enough of you to write. My dear Aunt Bessie. Aunt Bessie? I'm motoring south tomorrow with my wife, Lillian. It's been so many years since we were last together. I thought I might... Stop on my way and renew a long, neglected acquaintanceship. We should arrive sometime Friday evening. Uh, affectionately, Harvey. My nephew, Harvey. Why, I haven't seen him since he was a small boy. What does he want? You read the letter, Martha. He wants to see his aunt. Today is Friday. Well? Tonight, Martha. He'll be here tonight. Nice. <laughs> Come, my fine lady. Put on your pretties. You must look your handsomest when my nephew arrives. It's my money. I haven't really stolen from you. You can't do anything to me. Stolen from me? Of course you haven't, my dear. My poor woman, didn't I tell you I wanted you to be happy? You mean you're not going to do anything about it? Well, it's all unimportant, Martha, as viewed in contrast to a greater crime. Crime? What crime? Kidnapping, Martha. Kidnapping? You held me against my will for the purpose of obtaining money. That, under the law, constitutes kidnapping. You held me in my own home makes not the slightest difference. I didn't hold you. I didn't. You know the penalty, Martha? You're trying to scare me. Death, Martha. No, <laughs> you can't. Your nephew. I'll explain to him. Oh, come, my dear. It was inevitable, you know. Don't look so unhappy. <laughs> it isn't often I have guests, my dear. Fill the sherry decanters on the sideboard. Bring out the linens, the brewer's silver. For tonight, I entertain. You can't. I won't let you. Too late, my dear. Imagine my nephew wanting to visit me after all this time. Ironical, isn't it? Eighteen years. Eighteen years. Then he wouldn't know you. Recognize you, would he? 
Well, perhaps not. He could scarcely be expected to, I suppose, but... Martha, what are you thinking? Nothing, Miss Brewer. Nothing at all. You are listening to The Whistler, brought to you by your friend, the Signal Oil Company, marketers of famous Signal Gasoline, your best buy today. Remember to let every go signal remind you, you do go farther with Signal Gasoline. situation is a little more serious than Martha ever dreamed it might be, isn't it? Old Miss Brewer's nephew coming, and you, Martha, threatened with prison or work. And there's not much to do about it. Or is there? Harvey will be here soon. Even now, he and his wife are driving over the muddy road up to the house. Look. Look, Harvey. Is that it through the trees? Must be. The only house we've seen for miles. There's a light in the window. Thank goodness. This is the loneliest, most dismal place yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, that wind. Looks like rain. At least we beat that. I only hope she lets us in. What do you mean? Why shouldn't she let us in? Oh, I don't know. But she's a nutty old dame. I gather she doesn't think too much of me. I used to write her once in a while when I was younger, but she never once answered a letter. Well, then if you haven't even heard from her for 18 years, why should she be the guardian of your money? Well, after all, she's my only living relative. I'm hers. Okay, here we are. I'll pull in under this tree. Not too far from the porch. It's starting to rain. Okay, Lillian, you run for it. I'll bring the bags. Hurry up. You'll get wet. There's no bell, huh? Never mind. That wind. Feel how the house shakes. Oh, you can see that. Hey, listen. Yeah, somebody's coming. Did you close the windows in the car? Yeah, I did. Well, please knock again, Harv. I'm cold. I tell you, I heard somebody. Yes? Oh, how do you do? I'm Harvey Brewer. I know. Come in. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Follow me. This must be it, Harv. In here, please. Look. Look, Harv, the fire. Oh. Doesn't it look wonderful? Wonderful as heaven. Thought I never would get warm again. Suppose I can leave the bags here for the time being. That'll be all right, won't it, miss? What do you want here? What? Oh, oh, of course. Uh, please tell Miss Brewer that her nephew and his wife are here. Her nephew Harvey. I'm Miss Brewer. You? What's the matter? <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> How stupid of me. I should have known. I'm sorry. Frightfully sorry. This is, uh, this is my wife, Lillian. How do you do, Miss Brewer? Why have you come? Why? Well, well, to see you, to pay you a visit. After all, you are my aunt, you know. I... Oh, I must say, I hardly expected... This reception? What did you expect? Really, my dear Aunt Bessie, uh, if I may call you Aunt Bessie... You may not. You're not wanted here. Sorry, I I only thought that after all these years... I'm of... quite satisfied not to have any visitors. I want to be alone. Surely you don't mean that you'd, you'd turn us out on a night like this after we've come all this way. I didn't ask you to come, but now you're asking us to leave. Is that it? Well, as long as we understand each other now, we might as well settle our business oh, now. Oh, Lillian. Business? What business? 
Go on. Tell her, Harvey. Well, uh, it, it's about my money. I want it, Aunt Bessie. Money? Uh, you, you came here for money? I, well, I didn't think it would be necessary to have to come to the point so, so abruptly. But, yes, I need money. I must have money. No, I, I can't give you any. After all, Aunt Bessie, it's my money, you know. You're simply holding it in trust for me. I know it's not due for another year, but the fact of the matter is I'm broke and I need it now. What's that got to do with me? can't make any possible difference to you whether you pay it now or a year from now. And it makes a great deal of difference to me. How much is it? How much? You know very well how much it is, Miss Brewer. Ten thousand. I, uh, I can't remember everything. I'm not well at all. Uh, you've got me all upset coming here. Oh, I'm sorry, Aunt Bessie. We didn't want to disturb you. Look, just write a check and we'll be gone. A check? Yes. I can't write you a check, I... I haven't got that much money in the bank. No, and I won't have either for a week, a couple of weeks. Not for two weeks, huh? We can wait, Harvey. Wait here? You can't wait here? We're broke, Aunt Bessie. Look, we're really broke. We've no other place to go. Not even enough gas to get there if we did. Tonight, then. Tonight's as long as you can stay. Do you hear? I'll give you some cash tomorrow. And then you've got to go. I can write you a check. I'll, um... Securities any good to you? Securities? Your securities? Yes. Yes, of course they are. You really mean this, Aunt Bessie? Wait. Wow. Oh, a worthwhile trip, Art. Wait a minute, Mary. There might be enough here. Enough? Well, I should say there is. Yes. Yes, of course, here. Take these two. <laughs> They're marked $5,000 each. They're banks, on Really, Aunt Bessie, this is awfully good of you. I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am. They'll have to be endorsed. Made over to you, you know, Harvey. Oh, well, naturally. Uh, uh, do you mind, Aunt Bessie? Look, uh, here's a pen. Endorsed? Yeah, of course, just sign your name, Beth Brewer, on the back. And give me the pen. Here you are. <laughs> As if you didn't know. <laughs> there. We both leave early in the morning. <laughs> gladly, believe me, gladly. And that's the last cent you'll get. You ever come here again? Ask me for more? I'll, well, I'll disinherit you. Yes, that's what I'll do. Now I'll show you to your room. Well, things have taken quite a turn. All Harvey wanted was money, and Beth Brewer signed over $10,000 worth of bonds to him. Or did she? And what about Martha? But then Harvey doesn't know anything about Martha. And Martha doesn't really know much about Harvey and Lillian. Not enough, I'm afraid. Asleep, Harvey? Oh, no. She's very rich, isn't she? Uh, a million, anyway. Uh, maybe more. That money, Harvey. Yes, it is. Harvey. Hmm? Did you know before tonight that you were in her will? No. No, not until she made that threat about cutting me off. You might get it all, Harvey. There's no other relative. A million or more, you said. Oh, no. Lay that pipe down, Lil. The old girl's good for another 20 years. I won't go to sleep. 20 years? Good night, Lil. $10,000 won't keep us forever, Harvey. No. We'll be broke again soon. I suppose. But we'll have one swell time getting that way. 
But I don't like to be broke, Harvey. You know that. Now, wait a minute. Are you... Are you threatening to leave me again? I'm only warning you, Harvey. You know how I feel. That's why we came down here. Is money all you ever think of? You married me with your eyes open, Harvey. I warned you then. Mm, I know. I had enough of my inheritance to keep any ordinary couple happy for a lifetime. How we went through it all, I don't know. <laughs> I told you I was expensive. I don't plan to change. But I'll stay with you as I promised, as long as we can live like human beings. Like millionaires, you mean? Mm-hmm. You might be a millionaire if you had her money. Lillian, what can I do? Don't you know? Good night, Harvey. You're a spoiled brat, Lil. Gosh, I often wonder why I love you. But there's nothing, nothing I wouldn't do for you. You believe that, don't you? Mm-hmm. There's nobody in the house but the three of us. I know. Just you and I and the old lady upstairs. Well? Just the three of us, huh? All right, all right. What about it? Nobody knows we came here tonight. Well, nobody knows. Good night, Harvey. Lil. Twenty years is such a long time. Lil. Oh. You know you always get your way with me. Yes, she always gets her way with you, doesn't she, Harvey? And so you didn't get much sleep that night, did you? There was too much to do. And you had to get away too early in the dark, rain or no rain. Back in the city, you think it over and try to figure if you've forgotten anything, and you wait for the news. Uh-huh. Well, it's in the paper. Already? Found her floating in the lake. They're not sure whether it's suicide or just what it is. Come on, read it. No picture? Not important enough for the city newspapers. Too far away to rate the front page. Well, what do you think? We're all right. Yeah. There's not a thing to connect us. Not a wrinkle left in the bed, not a fingerprint I didn't wipe off. We're all right. I found that letter that we wrote to her. We just simply weren't there Friday, Lil. Well, that's that. What about the securities? No, nothing doing. I tried again, but the banks won't touch them without her lawyers at endorsement. But it'll be a year or more before they settle her estate. Mm-hmm. What are we going to live on in the meantime? Certainly her lawyer will verify her signature. I don't like it, Lil. All we have to remember is that we weren't there Friday. It was a month earlier when she paid you off. He'll never know. How could he know? I tell you, we're all right. Yes, everything's all right, Harvey. Stop worrying. Just run down to your aunt lawyer's office and get his endorsement for the money. Then wait and see what happens. Who knows what good luck may come. May I offer my condolences on your aunt's passing, Mr. Brewer? 
a great shock to me. Uh, yes, I imagine you knew her better than I did. Perhaps. She wasn't a very friendly woman, but she was a remarkable one. And now you said you had some business with me. Uh, yes. You see, about a month before my aunt's death, I, uh, I happened to stop down there to see her. Oh? And, uh, she gave me these bank securities, $10,000 worth, the money she was holding in trust for me. But I thought... Yes, that... I, I know. It wasn't due yet, but she said she wanted me to have it anyway. And now the banks tell me that your endorsement is needed in order to cash them. Yes. That's an old routine arrangement I had with her. You just let me see them? Oh, yes, of course. Right here. Thank you. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, Mr. Brewer, you got these securities from your aunt? Yes, I, I just told you. Right, right. And uh, this is her signature. That's right, as you can see. You were in your aunt's presence when this endorsement was made? You saw her sign her name? Yes. Of course. We both did. Let's see. It may mean nothing at all. I hope for your sake it doesn't. But this is something I think the police should know about. You mean the, the securities? Yes. And uh, the signature. You see, Mr. Brewer, foul play is suspected in your aunt's death. The only clue the police have so far is a set of tire tracks found in the mud outside the house. Evidently made the night she died. But, uh, I, uh, I, I don't understand. You wouldn't, I'm sure. But you see, Mr. Brewer, this couldn't possibly be your aunt's signature. Because in spite of her intelligence and wealth, your aunt never went to school. She never learned to write even her own name. <laughs> had nothing to worry about. Nothing but the electric chair. And Lillian, who had to have money to live like a human being, will spend the rest of her life behind bars. Yes, the tire tracks convicted them, of course. That was one clue they overlooked. And it was enough to prove that they were there that rainy night. If only you hadn't tried to cash those securities, Harvey. The securities that first pointed suspicion at you. Now they'll hang you for the wrong murder, Harvey. They'll hang you for your aunt's murder, when actually you killed Martha, the housekeeper, and dumped her body in the lake. Yes, but they haven't found her body yet, Harvey. Martha was the one who killed Aunt Bessie and threw her body in the lake. But you'll never be able to prove that now. Maybe if Martha had lived, you could have gotten out of it somehow. But not now. It was all so unnecessary, too. When you killed Martha, your aunt was already dead. And by the terms of her will, you had already inherited all of her money. Over a million dollars. Too bad, Harvey. Too bad.
Next Monday at 9 o'clock, the Signal Oil Program will bring you another strange tale by the Whistler. The Signal Oil Program is broadcast for your entertainment by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal's famous go-farther gasoline and motor oil, and by your neighborhood Signal Oil dealer, who is at your service daily to keep your car running for the duration. The Signal Oil Program, produced by George W. Allen, with story by Louis Espy, music by Wilbur Hatch, is transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Bob Anderson speaking for your friend, the Signal Oil Company, and suggesting once again that you let every go signal remind you that you do go farther with Signal Gasoline. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dimension X, followed by Red Skelton. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.